Yo, this is Art of Architect with More Than a Haircut Podcast. Man, I hope all is well with everybody. Got a special guest originally from, I thought he was from Memphis. Well, he is from Memphis. Uh, by way of Washington, D.C. I got my boy, Singer Bromfield. Hey, man, tell the people what's up, man. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I appreciate everybody checking in. Thank you, brother, for finally having me on your podcast and your platform. That's a, a blessing to be here, to be able to share conversation and words and knowledge with you, man, history. Yeah. Hey, this, really is, this history in the making for me, too, man, because I remember, man, just, just watching you just your name kept coming up, then you kept vibing, you just kept, you know, stayed down. And now to see where you are, I was just like, man, let me let me hit bro up, man, see what's going on. So before we even get started, this is something different I'm doing, like, tell the people where they can find you at. We also gonna do it at the end too, though. Okay, for sure. Well, my name is Singer Bromfield. I go by Singer B. You can check me out. It's on Spotify, on YouTube, on SoundCloud. Um, and all other major platforms where music is being streamed and played as Singer B. Um, I'm with TRE Productions, signing my own label, my own self. Yeah. Some people say independent. I'm from, like you said, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I was born in DC. I was raised in Memphis all my life. Yeah. And uh, right now I'm in Los Angeles. I've been out here for about a year, a little over a year. Mm -hmm. I've been doing my music out here in Hollywood. So, so my question before we even get into everything, I need a shirt, a hat. Um, so, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? I need, I need so my I got, hat. I got plenty of I got looking uh, at a whole pile of merch over here. But also, I need to, I need to get my consultant fee. So, if anybody chime <laughs> in and see that, you know what I'm saying? They need a, they need a verse. They need a hook. They need, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So, I wanted to start. I want to start from the current the current time where you are, and then I want to work back. You know what I'm saying? Because people are gonna to have to go back and see, and and you know what I'm saying, gather themselves and, and find more information about you. So like, um, where are you currently in your musical journey? You know what I'm saying today. Right, right now I would say that I'm in like a very pivotal position to where. In one hand, I have the decision, or rather the option to be able to establish a relationship with like a major label. And in the other hand, it's sustaining and continuing my own independent machine. And, you know, collectively, it's working together with my debut release of uh, some new content and music that I've been working on. And, um, it, the name of the single that I'm releasing this upcoming, well, actually next, the same time next week, August the 6th, 2020, will be All I Got. All and, I that's, yeah, and that's released under T, TRE Productions uh, through uh, United Masters um, Distribution. So we got an exclusive interview. I like, I, I like that. I like that. So what's the, uh, what's the name of the song? Or what's, you know, if you can, if you could tell us. If not, yeah, it's, it's called. Yeah, it's called All I Got. Okay. So it's dropping. You got a video coming with it, or it's just a single? Yeah, I got the video coming with it as well. Right now, if you still want to kind of get some insight, exclusive footage, and you know, a little listening on what it sounds like, it's a video on YouTube right now. 
okay. of uh, the behind the scenes footage. But um, like you like you asked, the music video and the singles both releasing at the same time. All right. So you know something that I've been thinking about with younger artists, because that's why I brought the consultant thing up or the consultant information, only because I feel like I always feel like I'm a bridge. I'm a bridge gapper. You know what I'm saying? So what I think about, you know, with the younger artists is like, have you thought about doing a, a mini movie? Definitely. To, to go, you know, to go along with your vibe or what, what you're doing. So that way it's like, not only are you hitting with a song, you might hit with a message. You might just hit with a vibe, just something, you know what I'm saying? Just something different, something creative to where it's like, your music is playing in the background. Your shirt right, might be right. hit, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you know most definitely. I, I was working, uh, I was really, I actually was planning on releasing a documentary a few albums back on my album called Leaving Home. And I just, I didn't release the whole uh, piece. I just released clips, different segments from different uh, Grammy award winning artists and um, Oscar nominated, I mean, Oscar award winning artists and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't release the whole piece. And so, the reason why I didn't do that because I feel like it was still missing the meat. It was still missing something. And so since then, I've still been documenting and filming. We've been uh, filming and putting together a piece um, adding to the, the, the production. And um, to specifically answer your question, do we have something that we're going to release along with the single in the video? Not at this time. Okay. But we are working on um, a big production about my life uh, in a movie form. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, I know you said you got a you you dropping a single on, on United is it United Masters, right? Yeah. Who was who? Uh, cause I, I think I heard about him cause I I was uh I was about to drop. I remember I, I got a poem called Basketball, and I I was thinking about yeah. going through them to get it on NBA Two K, but I was just like, you know, I just rather I rather keep the independence and, and, and control the uh the meat of the the meat of what I'm doing. So. I actually, I actually been getting some spins on uh tune, not tune core, uh TikTok. Like people been taking so, a video and sharing it, which has been dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Have Have you been um, have you been tapping into to any other you know the social media platforms outside of the norm like the IGs, the Facebooks? Have you been right. seeing? Uh, I have. Like honestly, I've started. Or you know, make sure that I've um, captured my own names of each of those pages with my own domains. But I haven't been using like Snapchat and TikTok and all the different you know apps that's outside of the norm, like you say. Um, but with this new campaign of this single, I'm planning on pushing on all platforms to get as much exposure and to build the buzz as much as possible. Okay. So um, and I you know I got a chance to read the bio. Cause I'm, you know, I'm all about, yeah, I know, I know you from us being around and us vibing and every time we, we coming in and out the city, we will run into each other. Um, I know you mentioned that you got a, you got an album coming out possibly, you know, or, or if I'm certain like with Blue Rock and Blue Rock is, is uh Dame Dash, you know what I'm saying? Can you get an audience the name of it? Uh, the name of the album. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm working on Yellow Caution. 
Uh, no, saying, right. Hold it, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no problem. Right now, like, like this, like this single, all I got is coming from the album, all like, uh, excuse me, Yellow Caution Tape Three, um, which is like a sequel I've been doing since the first mixtape, Yellow Caution Tape One, and okay. um, I was working on it before I ran into Dame Dash and the Blue Rock label, and um, since we to each other we've collaborated on man over 30 songs and it's just that i have in my my position you know what i'm saying and i know that some that they have in there that i, I don't even can remember what could recall yeah. um but right now we just we since like since we was working together we decided to split it up into songs and um the other artists on his label, um, his niece, the son, myself, Austin, Angela. Go. Um, Can you we were that? all, yeah, Angela Go, okay, uh, Miss Neeks and her son, okay, and then also myself. We was all on the um, R on on the um, Blue Rock label, independent label. It's like a label that supports independent artists, supports okay. you to keep pushing your own brand. It just has its own plugs as far as different distributions, and, you know, just different, all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. So um, we was working on some songs um, and some of those songs are still being selected to be decided if it's going to be on Yellow Caution Tech 3. So it's, it's still a working process, right? All right. So I want to I want to get into the Yellow Tape, not necessarily just the one that you're dropping now, but you, you know, I want you to tell a little bit about that. But first, like, how did you pull off the opportunity to collaborate with a mogul as such? Was Man, it, it was just was it the was it the leave home? You know, what I'm saying I know you writing you writing the project leave home. Was it a part of that thing when you left left Memphis going to L.A. or what? I mean, honestly, man, I can't even lie. It's just all God, man. Okay. I had no plans on like. And it's weird because I've been planning on coming to California all my life. I had always planned on coming. I had always knew that I was going to do music, but I didn't never know exactly how, what my trajectory was. I just knew I needed to be out here because this was the industry and the infrastructure that supported my type of craft. Yeah. 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 My vision, yeah, that as well, too. Um, so when I came out here, it was just, I mean, I wouldn't say it was luck. It was just destined that. You know, um, I, was, I was actually performing at a, at a like open mic event for one of my homeboys from college. I emailed him and hit him up and was just like, you know, I'll be in town for like just the weekend type thing, maybe the full week. And I and I have a show at the end of the weekend. So I was just trying to see whatever else I can get tapped into. And mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, man, I got a networking event on this day and the following day I got an open mic. So I came to both events. And at the second event, the open mic, uh, a photographer, um, pulled me to the side was just like, yo, man, you dope. I got this opportunity um, for this artist. And he was actually just playing guitar for um, Dame's other artist, Miss Neeks. Okay. And, they was looking for like a band, a live band. Yeah. And uh, he was like, you know, they looking for a guitar player and they also looking for a drummer. And I had my homeboy, Johnny, with who also played drums. He from Memphis? Yeah, he from Memphis. I think I, I think I ran into him uh, at, at, at Stacks with Lil Will and them and Jay. I did. Yeah, I think that I think that's who it was. He grew up right around me. Okay. But uh, 
So yeah, we just like for sure we would do it. You know what I mean? We ain't had that much time really. It was like the opportunity was like the last day that we could be in town. So we came through, we did the thing. You know, they they were like, man, y'all hard, y'all five. So they was like, all right, we're gonna need y'all the next day because this, we're gonna be filming this. And we're gonna have a live audience. So me and Johnny looking at each other like, damn, you know what I mean? Like you done got the tickets to the house. Man, what? Like, you know what I mean? We're going to be missing. We already passed deadline. Because I had a rental, actually. You know what I mean? And I was like, I didn't want to pass the rental date. Yeah. But, you know, with this kind of opportunity, I was like, fuck it. Let's just, Absolutely. I mean, excuse my language, but let's, you know what I mean? Let's go ahead and go with, with yeah. what's going on. So we did that. And at the end of the show, uh, Dame opened up the floor. It's like, you know, anybody want to jump on the mic and do anything? So, you know, I was like, shit, oh, opportunities no. like this don't really happen. So, you know, and take advantage of it. And the rest was history. As soon as I jumped off the mic, he was like, man, I want to do a loser album with you, man. Y'all need to dope. He was like, you're going to be you gonna be able to come back next week. And me and Johnny looked at each other was like, man, we was actually supposed to be going yesterday. So, <laughs> it was going to be the night after this. He was like, all right, for sure, Will. When you go, when you come back to LA, and I was like, man, soon. He was like, all right, show. And he looked at Miss Neeks was like, all right, we need to find another guitar player, another drummer for next week. So, you know, my mind was just like, damn, you know, I can't be Yeah. Yeah, not only that, but in the industry, you know, you got to keep it moving, you know what I mean? Because it seems like, you know, they don't, they won't miss a beat when, when it comes to uh, consumers. But so, you ain't gonna have that, you ain't gonna have that same vibe. No, nah, it didn't be the same vibe at all. Of course, it wasn't the same vibe. The whole time I was gone, that was calling me every every day. It was like, man, when you coming back? When you coming back? When you coming back? And uh, we came back, and you know, it just it took off from there. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. You know, you got to give people the roses while they're alive, man. So I just want to say, you know, keep up, keep up the dope work. You know what I'm saying, and don't don't stop, man. You know what I'm saying. So like, and and and. Like again, I want to go forward, but then I want to go to go to yellow tape after this. So, I know you. I know you probably got a lot of a lot of gems from Dane. You know what I'm saying, being who he is and what he on. But um, what gems did he get from you in return, though? Because I know he got. He, uh, I know he had to get some from you, bro. I mean, yeah, like like I said, plenty of songs. Like you know, what I mean. Two songs specifically that went on his album um, that they just released recently. Um, so you know, what I mean, not only just music, but we we had a lot of connection because we had a lot of um, real conversations. You know, what I mean, um, and he, he just saw, I guess, in me the spirit that I was hungry, but also humble. But I, you know, me being from down south, it's just a different kind of culture with him being from New York and up north, mm-hmm. and um, the most thing that I can definitely say that he that he got from me was soul. You know what I mean? It was yeah. genuineness. You know what I mean? Raw talent. Um, it's just a humble kid trying to you know make, trying to make his way, find his way. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, I'm glad you're on your business. You know what I'm saying? And you got you you got to a place where you got out of town and you actually performing and you doing your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody don't get them opportunities, but when, when presented with the opportunity, you made something happen and you made something of it. So, again, that's, that's all. So, um, Yellow Tape, like, where where did the concept and idea to to, to do the Yellow Tape, was that, was that saying, saying you killing the game? What, what was going on? 
I mean, it's a little bit of all of that. You know what I mean? Everything that comes with the, the I guess what they say, the stigma, or really just when you see a caution tape, the whole vibe that come from there, you know what I mean? It's beware. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, on my acoustic guitar, um, the guitar that's tatted on my arm, I got a piece of caution tape on it. My, um, and the name of that guitar is called Caution. And so it's like really a reflection of me, and it's also an emotional um, interpretation of the the season that I'm in, you know what I mean? Or the reflection of life or the reflection of reality. And I'm just vocalizing it in a form of, you know, hip hop, trap, soul, R&B, rock kind of, reggae kind of vibe. Man, so, I um, that's jamming. I mean, it's just, it's genuine, man, because like it started from, my first mixtape was No Feelings, and all of these you can check out on that pip, they're still online. Um, but after that, after No Feelings, I wanted to do something more original. And with Yellow Caution Tape, I felt like um, it was, I think on that tape I got some some beats by High Rod, shout out to High Rod from Memphis, he's a producer that uh, made Five Star Chick by Yo Gotti and a bunch of other bangers by a bunch of other good artists. But I, I think I had a, a few beats by him, and I just was trying to like, you know what I mean, incorporate as much originality by infusing my guitar, singing, and rapping. Like really trying to set the tone and getting that, that, that singer beat sound out there. And, and, and also showing, mixing a little versatility in it as well. I definitely remember trying to be, still show my versatility. I was still really pretty much trying to find my sound. And you know, people, because I sang, you know, I come from a city where, you know what I mean? If you if you sing, it's either like you're just doing church music or you're doing like R&B or some kind of blues. And so it's all, those, you, you kind of automatically have two audiences for that. And if you, you rock or you do rapper. like, and it's, it's kind of different because like, I'm not like a rapper, you know what I mean? And I'm not just like a blues artist and then I'm not just a straight up Memphian because I'm Jamaican as well. So it's hard for people to kind of really gravitate to my vibe, at least I feel in the city because like, sure enough, I done done plenty of stuff and I know plenty of people and plenty of people know me and I'm always doing big stuff there. But it seems like some of the platforms don't really give me the shine or the justice that I, I feel like, I feel that I deserve because I don't really fit in a particular box that the norm or the typical Memphis sound is. So um, I know that was one of the no. reasons for the yellow caution type too. <clears throat> No, I, I I know what you mean, and I and I feel it because I remember being one of the first artists on the underground around you know around Memphis with an actual record where the Grizzlies was playing Grid Grind, you know what I'm saying? And it was like for me, it was like kicking in the door for everybody else because after I did it, it seemed like all the homies was either performing in in the arena, you know what I'm saying? Like a Chinese Connection. Um, Crazy boy. my homie CB on, you know what I'm saying? Like, CB on, it seemed like everybody Al was just yeah, <laughs> or Al Capone, yeah, Al Capone, been, you know what I'm saying, been rocking, but um, just the just the vibe of, of, of what you're doing, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, it's appreciated, so I can't understand why you said it took time for people to, to kind of grasp it. They ain't really, they ain't really necessarily understand it, but overall, they, they, you know, what I'm saying, eventually they have to. They gotta, they gotta give the credit because it's like, 
you coming with a real mixture of music that ain't being heard in Memphis. The reggae, the reggae is somewhat underground, you know what I'm saying? On the on the scene, you know, amongst us. But like you said, it's gospel, it's blues, it's the hardcore rap. But it's like, shit, we 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 started Memph Hop down there. One of the homies did. And it's like, I was just glad to see stuff like stacks, the music academy come back around, you know what I'm saying? Like running in the Al Green and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um like I said, you said you were from DC. You know, I, we saying shout out to Chocolate City because that's that's what we that's what we knew it as growing up. But in the bio, green sleeves, right? Yeah. Man, I ain't gonna lie, I ain't know what the hell that was. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, I went and checked it out. I was like, oh, this the this the music they used to play during the holidays and and, and shit like that, man. You know what I'm <laughs> but like, um, what, do you remember that time? Or like, what what kind of what kind of drew you in? Because I know you I know you said moms was like, that's when she kind of knew like, hey man, my son got a got an ear and a neck for this thing, and I'm a, I'm gonna go for it. Do yeah, you like pretty much like you know what was going on at the house? It wasn't like it wasn't no house problems and no violence and like that, you know what I mean? I mean, my brothers and them, they was in the street gang banging and shit like that. So they was looking at life at a different kind of perspective through a different window. And I was just like kind of there. I was the last of seven kids. And, um, you know, I grew up very um, spiritually conscious as even as a youth, you know what I mean? And so just like, the things that I would decide and would decide not to do kind of helped me to find this sort of environment that really helped me to put my energy and to put my, you know, my essence or to vocalize my my spirit in a in a physical form or you know in an audio form. So it was just really something that just like I really fucked with because it was just something that it was attractive to me, just mm -hmm. seeing how. Um, just at first, you know, cultivating music is always cool. But when I saw um, for the first time these guys on stage playing guitar and singing, performing in front of the live audience, and I was just seeing how the audience just really just, you know, me feeding and, and speaking. They were like speaking, exchanging energy, and really was understanding to just do music and just do that motion. And I knew that that was something very powerful and something that was like cool. It was like being up on the stage, it looked cool while you're doing a fly, you know what I mean? So I figured if I could do that, and not only just do it because I see somebody else do it, but you know, put my own, put my me into it, you know what I mean? Um, that's really where it just came from. Um, it started with, you know, like you said, Grizzly playing the piano, then I was with violin, my big brother, and then was playing violin. Mm. But I think my mom put me there because she just saw that I liked music and didn't know exactly where. And I liked it, and I still pick up the violin from time to time, but, um, you know, it didn't last that long, me being, you know, going through the instructor and having recitals. So me picking up the guitar was just, like, automatic, you know what I mean? And me singing was kind of going hand in hand. And it seems that all throughout my life, I've always been producing and, and having fruity loops or having some sort of way to record myself. So, you know, it just kind of all came together together with the internet and you know I mean it just it just you know I mean that's just kind of it was just natural attraction 
Yeah. So like, um, you know, this, this is, you know, here, you know, reading on the bio when it was like, you were saying at five, you were doing this, right? So at five, I was outgrowing my goddamn clothes <laughs> <laughs> like shit overnight. And I'm, I'm telling my folks like, man, who is this white boy on the wall? Y'all praising, man. Like, man, y'all crazy. Some motherfucker, you know, but, um, so I, I, I wanted to bring up like certain points now and kind of like get insight of where you were at, at different times. So okay. first I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about, I don't know if you know Gino Young. You ever heard of him? Gino, he an R&B singer? Yeah. Yeah, I know Gino. I know Gino real good. So, so people, Gino, Gino was uh at one of Tanya Dyson's events, right? Okay. So yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm at a point. This is before I had wrote that Grit Grind song, and I was trying to figure out like, I want to improve my writing, bro. And I'm like, hey, Gino, I ain't. I didn't know his background. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I ain't know he was writing for Badu and you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. collaborating with a lot of artists and he even had his own music that's dope as hell. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I was like, Gino, bro, like, how can I get uh how can I get better in my in my writing? Yeah. Bro is like uh take your five favorite artists, you know what I'm saying, and write a song from each one of them verbatim. Yeah. So I'm like, shit. And he said, you know, if it was the beat that caught your attention, he was like, write the beat on the outside, on the outline of the uh, song. But as you writing the song, listen to the music, you know what I'm saying? So you can hear it. So then I was like, cool. And then he was like, I couldn't remember what else he was saying as far as like, it was something else that you wanna, you know, you wanna, you wanna pick from him. So I was like, all right, man, you know, I got the writing. I got the writing, writing, writing. Instead of me doing five, I did like 150 songs. Snoop, D'Angelo. So it's like when I heard Grit Grind, the beat. Matter of fact, I had already had the lyrics before the beat. You know what I'm saying? And that was that was crazy for me. So I'm saying that to take you back to that first song you wrote and published. Like, what was that experience for you? Uh writing the alma mater for my middle school. It was um I guess it didn't really become reality until I was writing more music after that because I really didn't understand what publish, what it meant to be published. You know what I mean? Um, and then, then once you get, once you get to it, explain what publish means. As you know, what I'm saying as you get into your piece, right? Um, so at that time, I was in middle school. I was in what, like, this? I was in the, um, eighth grade, okay. and I had wrote the alma mater, which is like the, the school's theme song um, for my middle school, American Way Middle in Memphis, Tennessee. And, um, you know, it was a competition. I won the competition. Whoever song was best won. So my song won. Mm. And um, not only was it just stamped and still is the school song, it, they publish it and make sure that it's notarized and, you know, it makes it official and all that stuff. So at that time, like, I really didn't really understand it. I just thought it was kind of cool. You know, I won a competition. I got to be principal for the day. And all these kind of cool perks that came with it. Um, but later on in life, 
as me trying to do my own thing and not even really was trying to be independent, just really trying to learn, be a student of the industry and of, 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 of music business. Um, I started learning why it's important to have your music published because you can have a song that's, you originally, you got the beat, you own all of that stuff and you put it out even on the internet, like you release it for free. These certain platforms have licensing agreements with certain um, publish, music publishing registering companies like BMI or ASCAP or CSAT. And what these companies do is they register your song in a catalog underneath your name, your artist name, and your government name to have it all you know, connect. And they give you a number, like a ID number. Yeah. And um, what it does is it keeps a file of all your material. So whenever it's released, um, these companies that play that that pay um, licensing fees um, also are tracking which songs who are licensed to which company. And if you don't have an actual publishing company, not the BMI ASCAP, but a publishing company that represents finding these um, this data and corresponding with BMR ASCAP and with the YouTubes or the Apple or, you know, the whatever platform, even clubs, when they play your music mm -hmm. or live venues, they all of these different platforms have to pay a licensing fee to be able to play licensed music. Um, so I didn't know any of that type of lingo until relatively a few years ago. Um, just like, like I said, just learning and growing about the business and really trying to find the best you know thing that's gonna benefit me as an artist independently no that makes sense man that makes sense so um now my next the next one is stacks music academy so you know like just like we just did with the first song you wrote yeah. um what was what was Stax Music Academy like? What did it represent in your life? Even like when you look back at that time, like what did you learn? Just you know what I'm saying? Just 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 tell us a little bit about it. Um, you know, going into Stax as a student at that time, I didn't really know the historical legacy and uh, influence that Stax music did have on that period of time, as on this period of time, and has on future generational music. Mm -hmm. um, I was just going there. It was an after-school program for me to be able to learn how to be like a performing artist because, like I said, I've been recording all my life. And at this particular point, which was like my 10th and 11th and 12th, the end of my 10th grade, my 11th and 12th grade year of high school, mm -hmm. um, they really instilled in me like how to be, how to be on stage, how to work the stage, how to communicate with other band members. Um, how to be able to read and write music theory. Um, what else? You know, they taught me the ethics of touring, getting per diem. Um, you know, that was my first time performing on major platforms and having people record it. It just, it really, what I didn't know that it was really preparing me for what I do myself or I, I'm doing now, you know what I mean? And, um, they also taught me not only those skills, but they taught me like, you know what I mean? The, the, the influence that Stax music has, like I said, on the past, because 
in the past, you know, they had uh, political and um, a lot of social influence on society at that time because in the 60s, late 60s and 70s, during that time when Martin Luther King was assassinated and, you know, the, um, the citation workers was on strike, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of music was really pushing the, 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 like I said, the power to the people and really keeping the people, you know, positive and keeping them with hope. Um, so Memphis music was like a real prestigious thing for me to be able to be there and, and not only just learn, but, you know, they also gave me the opportunity to remix a record, a, a original stacked record. Um, they gave me the opportunity to remix Shad, um, and we re- remixed really? and recorded, yeah. We remixed, recorded it in the Stacks studio and performed it on live TV at the Trumpet Awards in Atlanta. Man, that's cold. You know what I mean? Like, just to hear, and and I, I've been a big Stax fan. You know what I'm saying? Just just in the past with Isaac Hayes and and Al Green too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And there's several other artists that I know right now. I ain't able to name, but I'm pretty sure like yeah. the history that right. I know that that we always had in the city. Yeah. Like you said, it's prestigious. I know, yeah. I know Wu Tang used a lot of their music. Yeah. I know Talil Kweli used a lot of the music. You know Everybody. what I'm saying? Everybody. So, Everybody. you know, to see that the 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 younger artists now are even they still vibing on some Memphis music with uh DJ Paul and Juicy J and Three Six Mafia. Yeah, for sure. Even uh Tommy Wright the third, the sound, even even like uh Play a Fly. It's like the sound of today is still what was represented and what's been been through the threads of who we are, man, as 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 uh Artist and show that. So, um, the next, I think the next, the next point is definitely Berkeley. So, like, what was, what was the experience in the transition coming from Memphis, where you learning, learning the soul, learning music theory, learning how to perform, learning how to work the crowd. How important was the, the the transition to Berkeley, you know, for you now? You know what I'm saying? I know, I know you gained a lot that most of us didn't get in high school, especially from a standpoint of business where you talk about the per diems. What did yeah. you get from from Berkeley? Um, well, Stacks they helped connect the dots on that relationship, getting accepted to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Okay, and um. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough money to pay for tuition at that time. Okay. And um, I didn't get to enroll immediately. I got you. So um, instead, I stayed home for a little while and really started to like push my TRE. And in the process, I had some homeboys that was also like some, I guess, bandmates while I was at Stacks that was attending Berkeley. Okay. And uh, they invited me to come up there and sit in on different courses and meet different you know musicians and professors and just you know pretty much be a student without paying and so i was living there for like man like what like three if i'm not i don't want to lie it was no more than three months it was for sure one month but you know what i mean it was, it was so much being creative and you know good weed you know what i mean time just fly so um for real i know i produced my uh mixtape walking through the city of the day and i know it Majority of that was produced by Hot Rod for sure. Okay. So, um, you know, I mean, I got, what I got that song live from the city of the dead. But I'm with you though. 
Yeah. yeah. I remember that record, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, but you were saying High Rod was up there too? No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't up there. He was still in Memphis. We were still doing shooting stuff through the internet. Okay. But while I was up there, you know what I mean? The only thing I can say that I gained from being at Berkeley and being up there was just knowing how, um, like one of my homeboys, for example, he was a bass player. And his first year being attended, he got accepted. He, he got an offer to be on tour with Victor Wooten, which is like one of the best players in the world. Yeah. And he turned that opportunity down to stay and get an education. And it just, that was kind of the first time I've ever been exposed to somebody getting like oh, an opportunity from, yeah, from a, from a major and turning it down. And, and you wouldn't think of it like, because like rap, you've got to see it as like a, a major label or, you know what I mean? Like, Maybach or um, um, All Money Ends or a, a label that's kind of independent but still big like that. Mm-hmm. But 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 an artist directly to ask me to join on Twitter, that's the same in the musician's eyes, you know what I mean? Um, and he was just like, you know, it's the show, I, I love it. And, you know, he turned it down or whatever and he still got the opportunity later on, but it just kind of showed me how you kind of got to stay down with your craft and stay down with perfecting what you start, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of what I meant there because while I was there, a lot of people was like, yeah, you sound good. I did a few shows and stuff, but that was kind of looking for some material. That's like, where can I buy you? Where can I check you out? And I, I had some stuff, but it wasn't all centralized. It wasn't all stamped and branded, uh, you know, organized. Like, you know what I mean? It was still kind of grassroots from the ground up and working with different people, uh, which I still work with different people now, but it's, it's kind of more, uh, you know, it's more of a structure to it now. So, that's what I really learned from being in Boston, kind of tightening up on my business and on my brand. Okay. So uh, the next point is Australia. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say the word. I don't know what's you know what I'm saying. What you what your thoughts are of, of Australia? What was that experience? I'm gonna ask you that. Man, it was uh, it was cool. It was really nice because you know I'm a people. I'm a I'm a you know, I'm, I'm a person of a man of the people. I don't prefer to be like on the top. I prefer to be amongst the people, the locals, and see what's going on, keep my ears low to the ground, you know what I'm saying? So I was kind of peeping the scene and, and learning more so about the aboriginals and you know, yeah. learning the, the culture and the history of how they was pretty much colonized. And I mean, within a few years ago, within you know, within this uh, century uh, time span, um, how a lot of them, the kids were kidnapped and put into camps and parents was uh, stripped from their children or, or and killed or put into prisons and all kinds of stuff that's still going on all around the world today. But, you know, I just want to be, you know, a student. Like, I'm always a student of life. I always want to learn and incorporate this kind of stuff in my music. So I was kind of, even at that age and at that period of time, and being in stacks and being on tour, I was just, like, very uh, observant of not only just the, the, the chemistry and dynamics of the different cultures between you know, the different races, rather, within that culture of Australia. So learning the economy, learning how people really respect, and, man, I mean, like, love, like, soul music, because that's when I really learned that it wasn't nothing wrong with being a soul artist, because people was really, like, fainting at the fact, at the sight of seeing us, which we were, you know, essentially nobody, but they was gassing us up and putting us in newspapers, and we were doing big shows on big stages, and doing interviews on the news and I don't know if I already said that but like they they were just putting us in a lot of prestigious places and, and meeting with the ambassador the American ambassador um you know 
trying kangaroo, like eating kangaroo, all kinds of crazy stuff. But you know, I was just that's just mostly what I was just peeping, just how the original people, how they've been affected uh, and what's yeah. the majority of the dynamics of that. That make to me from the sounds of it, it's kinda like me being in Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? Like it made me respect my hometown, you know what I'm saying? Like even more. Yeah. It's cause uh they have a lot of pride for Atlanta. I respect it, you know what I'm saying? But I got a lot of pride for Memphis. I know a lot of artists that do too, but it's almost like the same love that Atlanta gives, they get it back from the city. Yeah. It don't always happen in Memphis. No. You know what I'm saying? And that that's, that has to change, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not saying we gotta look for it, but. You know what I noticed? It, I don't think it's actually the love because you know, I've, I had a conversation with my mama and a few colleagues of mine, and I was saying, you know, I got to change my, not necessarily my my trajectory of my demographic, but the type of people that I would consider my consumers because people who support you are different from the people who will, who will be your consumer. Because consumers, they go off the trend, they go off of what's hot now. They don't really have to know how. How, what the whole history of how it was made, just as long as it's right there in front of them, if it's presented right, they're going to be consuming with you, as long as you don't do nothing out of care. You know what I mean? Yeah. But people who support you, they're going to love you regardless whether your product is good or bad. They're going to love you whether you are in business or not. And, you know, necessarily at the same time, those people who support you aren't always going to be the people who are going to buy stuff or going to be the first people to purchase, you know, something that is a part of your campaign. So I wouldn't necessarily say that Memphis don't have as much love because Memphis definitely got love and they gonna right. represent off the top, but that's they just not, ain't got the money. They don't have the infrastructure to support yeah, that's you know I'm, these independent businesses and platforms. So that's what I'm getting into, the actual support. Like I I I, I probably did say the word wrong as far as love. So it is you know like it is a lot of love because on the on the back end. It's a lot of people that are, that'll call out a song or whatever that I've done. I'm like, you know, surprised by that. But it's just more or less like yeah. the support that's here. Like you said, the infrastructure, the infrastructure here in Atlanta, it got set up from the from the fact of uh, Maynard Jackson, the mayor of the city, was laying out contracts with so-called black people in here, you know, in Atlanta, to be able to say, okay, we're gonna help build this airport. By building the airport up, the money trickled down. You know what I'm saying? So you can have a, a, a Jermaine Dupree. You know what I'm saying? You can have a TLC. You can have an Outkast. On to Lil Jon, to Ludacris, to Monica, to, to Lil Baby, to Usher. You know what I'm saying? T.I. So it's like 2 chains, Jeezy. And it's just like, a list go on and on. So it's like, we got the same talent. We just yeah, had to go. We just had. We if just got to. If not more. If not more, we just got to go yeah. snatch the bag and bring it back. And this was, yeah. you know, what I'm saying this to be around the likes of, of the artists that I've been around. It's just like, it's just a different. To me, it's a different mentality. A cat from Memphis, male. You no, know, it's it's we we also do have to take some accountability. It ain't just because we don't have the money to be able. Because you know, like it's it's a competitive. A, a, it's a very competitive competitive city when it comes to music, no matter what genre you're doing. It's but that's cause because everybody, everybody do music. Not only that, it's, it's not a lot of opportunities. It's I mean, not, there are opportunities, but it's, but it's not, not a lot of them. No. And because of that, they're not gonna be too quick to like support you because they trying to get their stuff heard. So it ain't really like they hating 
or they no, no, crab no. in a barrel. It's just if if we if I was eating, I wouldn't have no problem with helping you eat because I'm eating. But if I'm not eating and my folks ain't eating, man, we repping TRE. Period. We ain't yeah. posting no woo woo woo. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the mentality. And not only that, but it's just that a lot of the people who are in the city don't get to leave the city. They don't have a reason to leave the city. And when you have that type of exposure to different cultures, different levels of tax brackets, different, you know, type of uh, cultures, you learn the importance of your money because not necessarily that money makes you something because that's definitely not the case. But your money is essentially like a piece of a voice. It's a piece of action that you can take. It's a a piece of transportation that can get you to some knowledge or get you to resources or get you to a community of people that you wouldn't necessarily have before. So when you are exposed to this type of being away from Memphis that not necessarily don't support each other, but don't have the funds to support small businesses or don't have the people to support campaigns or stuff like that because they they need some incentive. It's just that, you know what I mean? We have to be able to start supporting each other and using our own skills and our own services within our own community. So that way we can value other businesses, other independent businesses, because there's, it don't make sense to where, you know, let's just say uh, Susie's Lawn Care. It don't make sense why Susie's Lawn Care ain't got no Instagram uh, promo video, no, no, no logo made, no music done by one of these local artists. I know you done heard, uh, uh, what's they call? What's that number? Um, when you when you crash, what's the little? I, the, um, about, I know you talking about. Oh, uh, I was about to say five to eight cash. It ain't five to eight. Not five to eight cash, but uh, uh, you talking about six six eight three seven? That's y'all there. Seven. I oh, think oh. so. But it's a you know what I'm talking about. They be they be rapping. They got Christmas. Man, they got gospel songs. They got all kind of. They be rapping up there all day out here, though. I ain't gonna lie. I'm telling you, though, man, but they got them for different seasons. So if it's Christmas time, they got a Christmas song. If yeah. it's for, if they playing it on the gospel station, they got a yeah. gospel version. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but I'm saying, though, you know, they using these different type of demographics of people within the community that support that business to be able to reflect and represent the people that like that kind of music. Yeah. So it's, it's no reason why Susie's Lawn Care can't be able to have all these different people that's in the same, in North Memphis, that can do it designing the logos that, that do uh, a social or marketing that do, you know, all these different skills. So we just have to start, you know, opening our mouth and speaking to one another and not being afraid of each other and start working together. And, you know, it do help by leading by example by some of these people with money and some of these big labels. That I, I haven't seen any offices or no businesses in the, in the city that reflect some type of collaboration. But, you know what I mean, until then, you know, I'm going to have to just, me and you going to have to lead the way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, and that's why I reached, that's why I reached out, because I'm like, you getting ready to drop a project, and I'm like, it makes sense for me to say, hey, bro, send me the work so I can post it, so I can do what I do, get it to a whole nother audience, <clears throat> drive, you know what I'm saying? Even if it ain't number 10 people, even if it ain't number 100, even if it ain't number 1,000, if, if 100 of them people spending money with you, Hey, bro, you don't owe me nothing. I don't mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it's not the money. For me, it's the exposure of, hey, man, bro, I expose your music to somebody else that has never heard of you. You know what I'm saying? So now it's like, shit, are you you good? You eating? You straight? So now it's like, well, what can we talk about next? So, like, um, I'm going to bring up gar- uh, Gardens Art. 
Let me ask you about that. What is gardens art? So gardens are like, um, sometimes you might see me refer to it as GAL, G-A-L. Mm -hmm. It's a um, nonprofit organization that was founded by um, myself and Dr. Eziza Richard. And what it is, is a platform that not only caters to agriculture um, and health, um, not, and, and that's through um, working together through different generations and through different social structures like programs in schools for children, um, providing gardens and teaching them how to plant and how to um, harvest the, and teaching about different seasons of harvest and different plants. Um, but we also work with legislation, legislations and, and different people who work in city council who correspond with like the community development of the CDC and um, developing different parts of Memphis. And right now we're, we're, uh, we're putting together an event or a program to where it's like giving back to the community, having some live music, teaching people about the heritage and history of North Memphis, um, and also teaching them about, you know, agriculture and providing them, like I said, with live music and healthy food and, and, and an opportunity space to network and to be able to grow and share ideas and, and different creatives. Um, so it's, it's pretty much like a, a launching pad right now. And this is just the beginning of, this is probably the second or third year that we've been I got to I got to connect cuz I got some uh I got some people on the health side and the ag side, you know what I'm saying, that that need to know about that. So, you know what I'm saying, when we get done, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'll plug you for sure. Some some it's it's a couple other things I want to discuss. Uh one one being, have you ever heard of Vest V E Z T? Is that that program that Nipsey was talking about like an yeah. investing company? Yeah. Yeah. So I heard about it. Yeah. So you so the the company is actually built on a cryptocurrency Ethereum. Are you familiar with the cryptocurrency? A little bit. All right. So we gonna you know here go here going forward. We gonna have to we gonna have to talk on it because it's just more or less the world is is becoming more and more on the crypto side and the digital side when it comes to money. So yeah. we can start monetizing things on a digital level too. Me me saying Vest and you saying Nipsey, uh, that was something that I saw from him like three years ago. One of the videos that he did, it only got 30,000 views, but I actually um, I actually started getting paid, paid from the app. You know what I'm saying? Where, let's say for instance, single Brumfield, uh, yellow, what you say? Yellow Caution? All right, Caution yeah. tape. All right, yeah. so say the caution tape, you just got a single off of there. You could take a record to vets, to vest and say, um, I want to offer on the ISO, which is the initial song offering, you can offer a percentage of your royalties direct to, you know, directly to the consumer. They can say, well, I want to put five, 20, a hundred, a thousand dollars up for that song, right? Yeah. And they can, you know, they, they'll get paid the, the royalties for three, five or 10 years. But you get the cash that you need. You might say, I want to I want to do this uh, short film towards. Uh, towards caution tape. Yeah. 
You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. So now it's like, it's songs that I've been investing into. It's been paying 30, 50, 70 cent. But I'm like, okay, this is just right now. Just imagine this song three years from now. Then this song five years from now, then 10 years from now on a digital platform that's paying me out. But I have to introduce it to you to say, hey, man, go check it out. Because now if we get a song on here that you already got out, hey, man, why, how come we can't get, how come we can't get 100 of our partners to put $10 on it? And say, bro, we, owe a, we own a percentage of the song. We can promote this shit on, on uh, social media or wherever. And now we helping you eat. We helping you eat, we, help, we getting paid too. So it's just like, you know, that's, yeah. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. I, I see you some of the ones like I got ownership in, like uh, Wild Thing from Tone Low. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Crush On You from Lil' Kim. Those are just two songs. Hotel Suite from Nipsey Hussle. I just put, you know what I'm saying? Like probably roughly like $50 total on all three of them songs. Yeah. Which is not a it's not a large percentage, but the fact I'm able to invest and get something back, we got you know what I'm saying we got to start looking at them things. So uh, I see that guitar behind you. You uh, you hooked up to play anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, not right now. I just got it just to let the people know I'm ready when If I need to, I will. No, nah, 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 you ain't got to, man. I uh, you know I ain't gonna hold you too much longer, man. I just again I'm uh. I'm glad that I got a chance to interview you. You know what I'm saying for the podcast. It's been a uh, been a long time coming, but I think this was the proper time because I've been, you know, what I'm saying I've been watching your progress for a long time. And to say like, man, this man in LA, shit, left home, and you probably ain't where you want to be, but you on your way. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, just know you in the you in the present space for a reason. Hey. Like I said, I know you got some gems from 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 uh Dane, but that motherfucker had to get some, you know what I'm saying, some gems from you too, man. I already know. That's just that's just the respect that I got for you knowing that man, you out there doing your thing, man. You know, hats off. But um before I we go, too, yeah, before we go, man, just again, tell the people your uh your social media tags, you know what I'm saying? Um again where they can get the albums and um and I also, you know. You can send me the info and I'll add it to where people can check it out too. So once again, my name is Singer B, Singer Brumfield. You can check me out on Instagram and Facebook at Singer Brumfield, S-I-N-G-A-B-R-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. You can find all my music on all of the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, YouTube, Google Play, um, SoundCloud, and you can just search Singer B, S-I-N-G-A, the letter B. Definitely. Thank you again for having me on your show too, for real. Yeah, man. Man, I ain't gonna hold you, man. Uh, this is Art of Architect with More Than Haircut Podcast, man. We out. <laughs>